We have a sermon series this month entitled Property of, and then there's some question marks. Who's it, who does it belong to? Whose is it really? And what we're going to be covering this month is biblical stewardship. Stewardship. We're going to be looking at uh, being stewards of our finances, stewards in our homes, stewards of our time, but also stewards in the house of God and what it means to be a steward of God. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. When we think about the word stewardship, I think sometimes naturally what comes to mind is, is maybe how we manage our finances, or are we paying our tithes, are we giving of an offering, but, but stewardship is, is more than just how we manage our resources. It, it goes beyond money. Biblical stewardship has to do with our hearts, it has to do with our attitudes, it has to do with our responsibility that we care for what God has uh, entrusted into, uh, into our lives, what he's given us. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we, 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 would, we would know that uh, there is nothing that we own, there's nothing that we have that God hasn't given to us. He's given us life. The Bible says he's given us an abundant life, right? Uh, he's given us that breath within our lungs. Uh, he's given us, many of us, a new chance at life. What a gift that we have, the gift of life. And some of you might be saying, Brother Manny, my life was hard. I experienced some hard things. I experienced some trials. I experienced some rough things in my life. And, and I want to say, you know what? Praise God. You have a testimony. You have a testimony that God can use uh, because God is working all those things, whatever the enemy intended for evil on your life. Uh, the Bible says that God is able to work those things out for the good, uh, that you're going to be able to minister to individuals uh, that have been in your similar circumstance and situation. And God has given us health. Praise God for health. You don't appreciate health really until you're not healthy. Amen. And even when you're going through it, even when you might be sick in body, or even when you might have a loved one that, uh, that might be fighting a, a disease or an illness, uh, we still serve the great physician. We still serve the healer of healers. Uh, we still serve the God that is able to restore and heal and deliver us. He's given us our spouses. Oh, Pastor Richard, we're right on time for that marriage seminar. He's given us our spouses. Amen. He's given us our children. He's given us our families. He's given us resources. He's given us gifts, talents. He's given us the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of salvation. He's given us this day, this very day. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus personally, uh, he's, you never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. Tonight you're going to have an opportunity to get, him know, to get to know him intimately, to get to know him personally as your Lord and Savior. He's also given us this church. Amen. He's given us this body right here in which we serve in. He's, he's given us this building. He's given us our pastors. He's given us leaders. He's given us brothers and sisters uh, that we can rely on and, and, and count upon. And he's given us each other. He's given us uh, this place where we can come in and gather on a Wednesday night uh, and be in the presence of God. And what God has given us, he expects us to faithfully care for and to manage it properly. 
I read this uh, quote by Randy Alcorn. He's an author. And he says that stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. After all, what is stewardship except that God has entrusted to us life, time, talents, money, possessions, family, and his grace. In each case, he evaluates how we regard what he has entrusted to us and what we do with it. So what is biblical stewardship? The biblical doctrine of stewardship defines a man's relationship to God, and it identifies as God as the owner and man, you and I, as the manager. Author Elizabeth Hewitt said, Biblical stewardship can be defined as Christians managing God's resources in accordance with biblical priorities. This requires the conversion of our hearts, our minds, our calendars, and our pocketbooks. It means decisions on how to invest our resources are really spiritual decisions that require faithfulness and wisdom. And that's why it's so important that when we come, uh, when it comes to decision making in our lives, that we bring these decisions before the throne of God. That's why it's important that we pray about the decisions that we're making, uh, whether it's how we manage our finances or how we manage our time uh, or where we're going to serve God or what ministries we're going to be involved in. It's important that we get the Spirit of God involved and that we, we come before God and we ask Him, Lord, is this where you're leading me? Lord, is this where you're taking me? Now, we don't just make decisions based on emotions or, or because our friends are doing it or, or it seemed a good idea at the time, but because we count the cost, we bring it to God in prayer. The book of Psalms, chapter 24, verse 1, says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. I think one of the first words a child would learn aside from mama or, or daddy, papa. But I think one of the first words that a child learns that they are able to comprehend, to understand what that word is, is the word mine, right? That's mine, that's mine. No, you can't play with it, this belongs to me, that's mine, those are my cars, those are my toys. Uh, the other day I was, uh, uh, my grandson's been singing this song and it's got like, it's, it's, it's a, what do you call it, earworm, when it, once you hear it, it kind of just gets stuck in your mind, right? And he was singing this song, and, and I heard myself singing it, and he goes, Papa, that's my song. I said, I can't even see. And if we're honest, though, sometimes we can be like that as adults. It's my house. It's my car. Those are my kids. That's my wife. It's my time. It's my money. It's my life. And we can have that same attitude that our our little ones have. Mine, mine doesn't belong to you. God has blessed us. He's provided for us. And he's given us the gifts and the talents and the education and the jobs to provide for us. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 18, it says, but remember, underline that word, remember, the Lord your God, for it, is, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
And there's a reason why the author of Deuteronomy, Moses, wrote the word remember. And the reason is, is because we have a tendency to forget. We begin to see our accomplishments uh, or our successes as something that we achieved. This is what I did. It's through my own efforts. And Jesus, in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why he tells us to stay on the, on, the, on, the, on the vine, that he is the vine and we are the branches, and that we are to be connected to Jesus because uh, the truth of the matter is when we lived our lives as if they were our lives, when it was our lives to live, uh, we can look back and we can realize we didn't make the best of decisions. We made decisions that, that hurt our families. We made decisions that hurt our lives. Uh, we made decisions that hurt our parents. Uh, we made decisions that, that hurt our health. Uh, we made decisions that were really bringing destruction into our lives. And it wasn't until we, we turned away from those decision makers and said, God, I can't do this on my own. Uh, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your wisdom. I need your strength. Uh, when we got engrafted into him and we became the branches on his vine, that now we're starting to make right decisions. Now we're able to accomplish things. Now we're able to find success uh, in the things of God. And what I mean by success is, is that we're able to see our children be raised up in the things of God. We're able to have successful marriages. We're able to have successful friendships and relationships. Not just the material. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. And this is why it's so important that we honor God. We honor God with our first fruits, our tithes, our offerings. But we also honor God with our service. We, we acknowledge that it's God who meets our needs. It, it's God who has blessed us. It, it's God who's given us the best. If you think about it, he's given us the best. He's given us the best family that we could have. He's given us the best spouse. He's given us the best church. He's given us the best leaders. He's given us the best pastors. God has invested so much uh, into each and every one of us. He, he loves us. He's given us the best, his son, Jesus Christ. Stewardship has always been a plan of God for man since the creation of man. And it says a lot about God that uh, his love for us and his willingness to want to partner with us and that what is his, he would entrust to us for us to govern and manage and, take, and to take care of. Uh, we read the story in creation of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. If we jump down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it says, the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then if we jump down to verse 15, it says, then the Lord took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. 
And we see the picture of God, this creation that he makes, and he makes this beautiful garden, and he puts man, and he puts him there, and he tells him, be fruitful and multiply, but I need you to tend to it, and I need you to keep it. And that word tend, it means to cultivate. It means to encourage. It means to nurture. It means to grow, and it means to develop. And what, 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 think about that. What has God given you in your life? that he expects you to nurture, that he expects you to tend to, that he expects you to cultivate, that he expects you to develop. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a ministry that God has placed you in. Maybe God has placed somebody in your life to mentor, to become an example to them, to help them grow, to help them grow spiritually, to help them uh, through maybe some tough times that they might find themselves in. It's called discipleship. I was so excited last, uh, this past Sunday, uh, Brother uh, David Medina, he, he, he works up in the media and he also is a Royal Ranger and he came to me and he says, what do you think about this idea about once a month having the Teenage, older teenage boys to be released from rangers, and maybe we can start training them in the media. I said, that's a great idea. I brought it to Pastor Richard. Pastor Richard said, yeah, let's start doing that. Man, that's a heart for the next generation. That's a heart that want to mentor individuals. That's a heart to want to say, let me, what I've learned, let me begin to pour it out into your life. And just as a side note, we, we won't exclude the impact. Speak to David Medina. <laughs> God expects us to cultivate and to maintain, to invest our time and our labor and our efforts into that which he has given us. And there's a price that needs to be paid to maintain something that's beautiful. You think about gardens. There's a garden at um, the campus that I work at, and it used to be just an empty lot, and they turned it into this beautiful garden. They call it the healing garden, really. It's a place people go and they sit and they just kind of meditate or think about their day. And I walked through that garden today, and as I was walking through it, I was looking at it, and I said, this really is a nice garden. But I noticed something in that garden, and that was weeds. Just rained this past Monday, and and as beautiful as that garden is, I I looked down and I could see that there's weeds beginning to sprout, there's weeds beginning to grow there. And we got a really good grounds crew and they come in and they're constantly pulling those weeds and they're constantly trimming up the plants and they're constantly just maintaining that uh, that garden they're stewards of that garden they weren't just given a beautiful garden and said okay now it's yours enjoy it and not expect that there be any kind of maintenance uh, involved in that garden and so it is with what God gives us when he gives us that so, something beautiful, a family, a, a wife, a career, an education, whatever that is, uh, that we would honor him, but that we would also labor in there, that we would also work in it. And when, when we see those weeds sprouting up, we would deal with it immediately. Because if we don't, what's going to end up happening is those weeds will overtake that garden. And what was once beautiful will now just be a jungle, a jungle of weeds. I read this commentary, and It says, Adam and Eve were caretakers. Because the original couple was in a close relationship with God, they executed God's will on his behalf towards creation. Furthermore, because man was created in God's image, 
He became the image bearer of God in creation. He was to work it and keep it and to reflect God's character in the care of creation. God saved us. The Bible says that we were once in darkness and now we're in his marvelous light. And he saved us so that we could have a fellowship with him, that we could have a personal relationship with him. And as children of God, uh, we're blessed. We've been given blessings. Amen. But we've also been given a purpose. And the greatest purpose uh, that a child of God can have here on this earth uh, is the purpose to glorify his name. The purpose to give him praise. The purpose to lift him up. That's the purpose that, that each and every one of us was created for, is to lift up the name of God, to glorify God in our lives. And as stewards over his blessings, we're to ensure that God is glorified with how we behave, those blessings that God has given us. Whether it's wealth or health, family, friends, education, career, whatever it is in our lives, we're to use it to bring him praise, honor, and glory. And if we're going to glorify God as stewards, we're going to bring praise and honor to God's name as stewards of what he's given us. Then that means that we have to be stewards according to his standard. We have to maintain and govern and, and take care of, not according to the world standard uh, or society's standard or the culture standard or the popular idea of this day and age, but the standard that comes through the word of God. That's the standard by which each and every one of us should be stewards of that which God has given us, that which God has blessed us. It's the word of God that gives us his mind, and we understand how he would want us to manage our finances or how he would want us to be husbands to wives or wives to husbands. It's the word of God where we're instructed on how we're to be fathers to our sons and to our daughters, how we're to treat one another, how we're to honor headship, how we're to honor our friends and our families, our spouses. It's the standard that's found in the word of God. Genesis gives us the account of creation, but it gives us the model for the stewardship that we're to live by. It's to name the animals, right? Set, their, set an order. Let there be an order there, but take ownership. When you name something, what are you doing? You're, you're putting that name. You're saying, this is what it is. It's like when we name our, our pets, right? We're saying... Pepe is my dog, right? I have a dog named Pepe. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That means that, that we're to grow and expand what God has given us. Work it, keep it. It means we're to maintain and care for it. When something is given to you, you are now responsible for that. Say the word responsible. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. You are now entrusted with the care and the maintenance of whatever it is that was given to you. You know, my kids now have cars. And I tell them, you're responsible for this car. You're responsible to, number one, put the gas in that car from your account, not mine. Right? You're responsible for the oil changes. You're responsible that the tires uh, are, are properly inflated. You're responsible that when that check engine light comes on, you don't ignore it. You've been given this 
blessing. A vehicle is a blessing. It gets you to work and to home. It gets you to church and back. It gets you to school and back. But if you don't maintain this blessing and indications start coming up that there might be something wrong, you, you better start addressing it. And so when God gives us a something to be over, whether it's a ministry or whether we're in a relationship or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. When you begin to see those red flags come up, when you begin to see, what was it that was said right now? or what, when, the, when God begins to reveal and expose and show things to you, don't ignore it. That's not good stewardship. Begin to address it. Begin to seek God in prayer. Lord, how do I address this? How do I... Uh, talk with this individual? How do I speak to my kid about some of the things that I might be seeing? It's our responsibility. We have a responsi responsibility. And, and responsible stewardship doesn't mean that we just maintain it. We're going to keep a status quo. You know, as long as it don't break, we're all right, right? But that we're to grow it for the kingdom of God. And we read in the parable of the talents where Jesus has given us the example of faithful stewards multiplying what was given to them. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Let's see. Okay, I'll read the whole thing here. It says, um, For it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received the uh, five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five uh, talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground uh, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled the accounts with them, and and he uh, who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, he said, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should receive what was my own with interest. I said, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, who, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And we read this, 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 this story, we read this parable of the talents, and we think, that's harsh. It's harsh the way the, the master dealt with the, uh, um, that individual. The thing was, was that this individual was given something. 
And because of his fear, and because of his, his what fear does is it cripples an, an individual, is, is rather than just take a step of faith, uh, and rather than say, I could at least make one more talent and please him, he took what was, was given to him, and he buried it, and he hid it. And we got to ask ourselves, what are we hiding from God? What has God given to us that we're not sharing, that we're hiding, that we're burying, that we're saying, I, I just, I don't want to do that? Because I really believe that the Spirit of God speaks to each and every one of us in his way, and he challenges us. Maybe it's just to take a step out in faith and minister and witness to someone. Maybe it's to take a step out in faith and begin to get involved in ministry. Whatever it is that God is, is, is giving you, whatever gift, whatever talent, it's that because he expects you to use it. He expects you to glorify him with it. And you don't do it in, in, in your own strength. Uh, you do it in the strength uh, and the unction that the Holy Spirit provides for you. Book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. And what the Bible is saying here is that God has given us different gifts. And, each, and look out in this, this sanctuary today, and there's, very, there's a lot of talented individuals. You might have the talent to lead. You might have the talent to lead a, a Bible study. We could always use relate Bible studies. You might have a, a, the ability to give and to give generously. And the enemy would, would, would try to attack that uh, and say, don't you realize what economy we're in today? Don't you realize that we can't even get eggs at Costco and you're going to be giving? And the Bible says, don't worry about that. You just give and give generously. There's people here that go through things, and they could use encouragement. And you have a gift to encourage people. You walk in a room, and, and, and you brighten up that room because the Spirit of God is all over you. And don't hold back that encouragement. Uh, reach out to someone. How can I bless you? How can I help you? How can I, what can I pray with you about today? Maybe sometimes it's just an encouraging word. What God is saying is don't hold back those gifts. I didn't give them to you to hold back. I didn't give them to you so that you could bury them. We will all one day have to stand before God. And he's going to ask us, what did you do with those gifts that I gave you? What did you do with my son? And I know we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But we can't say it if we're holding back. We can't say it if we're not allowing ourselves to be used. There's a co-worker I used to have. He's retired now. And uh, he was that kind of individual that uh, he would offer no assistance whatsoever. And whatever information he had, and he had been there for like almost 40 years, 
he knew this campus inside and out, like the back of his hand. And, uh, but he would never offer information that was like pertinent to your job, right? Unless you asked him, and then he would kind of just, oh yeah, you know. And in one particular building, we had no emergency lights, and we were, weren't passing our, our, our inspection with the fire marshal, and so we were scrambling, trying to get emergency lights in this library that's like four stories um, tall. You might not think that's high, but it's a big building. And I happened to find myself in the um, penthouse, and I found this generator, this emergency generator, and I started thinking to myself, I bet you anything, this is for the emergency lights. And so I asked him, I says, hey, did, did you know that there's a generator up there? And he's like, yeah, I knew that all along. I says, you're kidding me. How long did you know? He says, I've always known there's a generator up there. I said, do you know what it feeds? He goes, yeah, it feeds the emergency lighting uh, system. I said, that's the same system that we're trying to get going again, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, how come you didn't tell me there was an emergency generator? You never asked. I said, wouldn't you think it would have made our lives a whole lot easier if you would have just said, there's a generator up there? He says, but it doesn't work. I go, but we have mechanics on the campus. See, this individual, it didn't bother him that others struggled. It didn't bother him that others had a hard time doing what they were called to do, and that's work. For him, it was, I know, but I don't need to share. And he was holding back something that could have helped uh, each and every one of us in his crew. See, faithful stewards tonight, they make themselves available. If you need someone, I'm here. It doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to be used every time, but you know what? Thanks. I appreciate that. I know that I can count on you now because you've made yourself available. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, It says, now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the, multiple, uh, the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven good men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, uh, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they lay hands on them. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many uh, of the priests were obedient to the faith. And here what, what we see here is this picture is that uh, the early church was growing. It was expanding. Pe people were coming to Christ daily. And after service, they were fed. But these particular widows were being neglected. And because they were being neglected, the, the apostles, they were being taken away from what they were being called to do to have to settle disputes, to have to play referee. And so they said, we, this is hurting the church. This is dividing the church. Pick seven men and start a ministry. And it's exactly what they did is they picked seven men full of the Holy Spirit, and they said, guess what? Uh, you're now in charge of the food pantry ministry. And these men could have easily just said, 
oh, I don't want stewardship over that. I want to come and I want to sit and I want to receive and I want to be fed and not feed others. But rather than do that, they, 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 they said uh, we, they were chosen. They were selected. And they rose up and they said, we'll do it. We'll be entrusted with this responsibility of feeding others and making sure that everybody is taken care of. And the result was uh, that these uh, leaders, that these apostles were freed up to begin to do other things, the things that God has called them to do, to, to strategize on how the church was going to continue to grow and to expand. See, being a steward in the house of God means that you value and you recognize the importance of God's house and how God moves in his house and the importance to be a part, a, a steward to, of, that, of the house of God. God, we opened up by just being blessed because God has given us this church, this, this sanctuary. This sanctuary is a place, a refuge from storms because we go through things out there and we come in here and we don't have to worry about that. We could just be in the presence of God. And God has blessed this church. He's blessed this ministry. He's blessed this fellowship. This church has been here for decades and decades. Uh, the corner of Imperial and Firestone. And people drive by every single day, and they might not come in. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, this community knows that the doors are open in this church. And this community knows that the presence of God is here. And even though they might drive by, there's going to come a day where they're going to come in and those doors are going to be open. And it's open because of faithful stewards that take the responsibility of ministering to others, take the responsibility of ministering to our kids, our teenagers, changing dirty diapers, ushering in a parking lot, being a blessing so that others can come in and be blessed themselves. David, King David, he had a burden to build the temple. And although he wasn't allowed to build the temple as a faithful steward, he bankrolled his son Solomon. And he said, Solomon, I have the money and I have the materials. I need you to build the temple of God. And Solomon also, uh, uh, being his father's son and having a, a heart to, of a steward to he took those resources that his father gave him, and he didn't go spend them on his own wealth and his own kingdom, but he, he, he fulfilled the vision that his father had, and he built the temple. Nehemiah was a faithful steward. He had a burden on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when the king blessed him with the permission to do it and, and gave him the resources and gave him the laborers and gave him the materials, uh, he was a faithful steward, uh, making sure that he managed it correctly and that all those, that those walls got rebuilt. God used the prophet Haggai to remind the people of God to prioritize the house of God. Here were these exiles uh, coming back from captivity, and God had told them, rebuild my temple. And, and what happened is along the way, they became dissatisfied. They became discouraged and disinterested in building the temple, rebuilding the temple of God. And the Bible says that they began to rebuild their own homes. They began to do remodels in their homes. They began to build their homes while the house of God laid in shambles. And there's nothing wrong with building your home. There's nothing wrong with, with remodeling. I just almost finished the kitchen remodel. But I didn't allow a kitchen remodel to get in the way of my obligation to the house of God. It was a few, 
few prayer centrals, prayer centrals ago, uh, Pastor Dan gave testimony. And him and his wife, God was speaking to them almost simultaneously, right? That's what happens. The two are one. And God was speaking to them. Take care of my house. I'll take care of your house. Be faithful stewards in my house. I'll take care of your house. And that's exactly what Haggai was able to do. He was able to stir the people up to take care of the Lord's house. He gave them a message. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Judah and those that were there to build the house, to rebuild the house of God. All right, I got to hurry here. Haggai chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And the glory of this house present, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. What an awesome, awesome uh, uh, blessing, promise that, that God gave to Israel. And I really believe that this house is a house of peace, that this house is a house of worship. And I believe, man, that God, it, we might have taken some hits, but our story isn't done yet. And I really believe that God wants to do things, bigger things uh, in this ministry. He wants to use our pastors in greater capacities. Uh, he wants to use this congregation to continue to be out there in the streets uh, and in other countries ministering the word of God. But it, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take you and I saying, I'll be a faithful steward in the ministry you placed me in. I'll be a faithful steward. To, I'll be a faithful servant. To, and I'll be available to do that. Verse 19 of, of Haggai chapter 2. I love what God says here. He says, um, he's acknowledging, he says, I know that uh, your trees haven't borne fruit. I know that the pomegranate tree, the olive tree, the fig tree, they haven't, haven't borne any fruit. He says, but do you still have seed? Do you still have seed in the barn house? And he gives them this promise. He says, because from this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. You made my house, uh, being a steward in my house, a priority, I'm going to bless you. You might see something that is barren. You might see your, your labors and your works as fruitless, but God says from this day on, I'm going to bless you because you've recognized from where your blessings come from. See, there's rewards of stewardship as I wind this down. And the rewards of stewardship are is that God blesses you. God blesses you personally. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That God takes notice of what you do for him. Whether it's on the stage or whether it's behind the scenes, God sees it. God sees it. God sees the sacrifice that you make. God sees the, the, the hours that you put into your, into your, into your ministry. God sees the, the time that you devote to him in prayer. God sees all those little things that no one else sees and probably will never see. And God says, I'll bless that. I'll prosper that. 
I'll multiply that because you're doing it as unto me and you're faithful with what I've given you. He sees when we're faithful in our tithe and our offerings, regardless of how the economy is. He sees when we're faithful with our time, praying for others, ministering to others. He sees when we're faithful in, at our posts, in our ministries. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. And another blessing, another reward that we get out of being a faithful steward is that our households are blessed. Our households are blessed. I know that uh, I can see the blessing, the hand of God upon my children, all three of them, and, 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 uh, and what they're doing right now because of the sacrifices that my wife and I made, that we raised them in a Christian home. We raised them in a Christian school, this school, New Harvest Christian School. We, we brought them to Rangers and to Impact or Missionettes back then. We sacrificed time. We canceled plans because there would be something going on in the house of God. And you know what we did with those canceled plans? We rescheduled. And you know what God did? He blessed the rescheduled plans. And I could see the hand of God that's been upon my marriage. I could see the hand of God that's been upon my children. They're not perfect, but they're walking with God. And to me, that's my heart's desire, is that my children know God. And even, though, and even when they might stumble and trip and along the way, the mercy that God shows them, the grace that God shows them. As our worship team comes up, uh, there's a story about Joseph. That is the ultimate example, I think, of a faithful steward, right? Here's this young man. God gives him a promise. And along the way, Joseph begins to encounter difficulty and hardships. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. But through it all, he was a faithful steward of everything that God placed him over. He was faithful steward of his master Potiphar and his household. And when he was falsely imprisoned, he was a faithful steward of the gifts that God has given him and that he was ministering to those that he was incarcerated with, helping them interpret the dreams that they had. And when he was in Egypt, second to Pharaoh, he was a faithful steward. And God used Moses and used, or excuse me, he used Joseph and he used everything that Joseph went through to be a blessing to the land of Egypt, to the surrounding areas, and to his family, the family that sold him out, the family that hurt him, the family that did him wrong. And because of Joseph's uh, faithfulness as a steward for the things of God, the result was that his household was blessed and saved. And there was healing that took place. There was restoration that took place. There was a unity that once again took place. Uh, all because no matter what came against Joseph, uh, he was faithful to God. He was faithful to continue to serve God. And he was faithful to continue to be a steward of all that God had entrusted into him. We read about Cornelius. This 
centurion in the book of Acts. The Bible says that uh, he was a faithful steward because he constantly was in prayer, constantly gave, constantly released. And the Bible says that because of his stewardship, because of his faithfulness in prayer and in giving, that it was a, a memorial. God remembered it. And God brought salvation into his home. As they are hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Spirit of God fills their room and each and every one of them gets touched, uh, transformed. They come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, they're baptized. Cornelius and his whole family were saved. Why? Because Cornelius was faithful. Faithful with what God had given him. He gave him time and he prayed and he gave him finances and he gave. And I think that sometimes we lose sight because we serve and we serve and, and we say, well, God, where's my blessing? You know, God, how come my children are still struggling? God, how come I see there's still struggle in my, my home or in my marriage? And God is saying, be still, be still. God's got you, God's got you. And this isn't always how it's going to be. I was hearing the testimony the other day. This, this lady was giving testimony about how God changed her whole family around. And this auditorium is filled with individuals that, man, they wanted to quit. They wanted to give up, but they said, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. They stuck in it. They pressed on, pressed through, and the result was God unleashed blessings upon blessings upon them. And that's what we have to do as faithful stewards, church. The master never told his servants when he was going to come back. He just said, this is what I've given to you. Take care of it. Multiply it. Be faithful with it until I return. And that's our call, is to be faithful to what God has given us. Be faithful where God has planted us. Uh, grow, multiply, expand. Use your gifts for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ to see others come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And as you're faithful in doing that, God is faithful to cover you. God is faithful to cover your family. God is faithful to cover your home, your marriage, your children, your finances, because you're doing it as unto him. You're laboring as unto him. And if you're doing it as unto him and you're laboring as unto him, then the rewards come from him. Praise God, the rewards come from him. And who can bless you better than your heavenly Father? Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you, Lord. We praise you tonight in this place. We thank you, God, for all your blessings, your goodness, and your mercies tonight, Father. With our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed in reverence to God.